0: When I was four years old, I got stuck. I grew up in Hawaii, and Hawaii has a strong Japanese influence. And my grandfather was a black belt in judo. So they stuck us in judo uh, when, when I was four. Mm-hmm. And I basically did judo competitively until the time I was about 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to move to California in about middle school and train with the coach that coached the U.S. Olympics in judo. Mm-hmm. So I had a chance to have a childhood background in a martial art, you know, three, four days a week competing my whole child.
1: This episode of the Smart Athlete Podcast is brought to you by Soulpree. If you're active at all, whether you're running or simply out walking for the day, you've probably experienced one of the number one problems that active people have, and that's chafing. Solprey's all new, all natural anti-chafe balm solves that problem while feeding your skin the vital nutrients it needs to be healthy. If you'd like to stop chafing once and for all, and treat your body right, go to com to check out the Anti-Chafe Balm today. And that's solpri.com. Welcome to the Smart Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Funk. My guest today, a very busy guy. Um, so I'm glad he's decided to spend some time with me. He's the CEO for at Boom by Cindy Joseph. He's also the CEO for Zipify apps and the founder of Smart Marketer. Welcome to the show, Ezra Firestone,
0: the Smart Athlete Podcast. Hey, Amen. No, no affiliation
1: with all your smart brands. Uh, uh, really yeah, unintentional.
0: Great name, and I, I approve. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. And you know, thanks for having me on the show.
1: But thanks for being flexible. I know. I, I like if so. For anybody listening or watching on YouTube who isn't familiar with Ezra, I'm very familiar with Ezra because he's kind of a rock star in the e-commerce space, and that's kind of where I live. Um, so if you're considering about doing anything e-commerce related, uh, look up Ezra, smart marker, Molly, that kind of group of people, um, there's a lot of, uh, I'll say hucksters out there to be nice. Um, and Ezra always delivers, like if you start getting his ads, he'll give you like a 30 minute if ha- you know, a 60 minute lecture. Don't, don't visit my site. Cause then you will start getting my ads.
0: <laughs> yeah. Unless yeah. you really so, want to know about e-commerce.
1: Yeah. So I just, uh so i want to put that out there and just say you know give you a personal thank you because you do put out a lot of just you know value for free you don't charge for that other people would charge a ton of money for so
0: thanks man yeah i like doing it it's fun you know and i think the difference you know you said shysters and it's like you find a lot more people who are gonna be uh, a lot of the people who are selling opportunity Mm -hmm. are the ones who you got to kind of watch out for not that there's no good opportunities out there but like we don't sell opportunity. We sell information and education for business owners who already have brands. Right. So we're an education, like we're a continuing education for business owners. And then there's people who sell business opportunity, which is, hey, buy my stuff and I will show you how to start a business, which is really a wonderful thing to offer in the world. And I'm glad those people exist. And more people in that category are selling bullshit than people in the education category. So for right. us, we don't really teach people how to get started. That's just not what we specialize in. We specialize in hey, if you have a business, here's how you can make it function better. Yeah. So we're we're educators. We sell business education, not business opportunity.
1: Yeah. I just think for people that are, you know, not that this isn't really like an entrepreneurial podcast, but just for people that are starting out, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between, you know, the BS and and the real well, thing. Let me give
0: you a quick way. If someone is promising that it's going to be fast and easy, and you're going to make a lot of money, they're selling you a load of bullshit, right? Right. It doesn't mean that you can't have it go fast. And it doesn't mean that some people don't make money quickly. But it's like more, a, a more realistic view of what it takes to start a business is 12 to 24 months and 10 to 20 grand and i mean an online business, and a whole bunch of time and effort, right? If you're gonna commit to that, okay, yeah, you could you know there's a chance you could be successful. Yeah. But if it's like, dude, you're gonna buy this course and in three months you're gonna be driving around in a Lamborghini, it's like fuck (laughs) off. Pardon my language. That is really I don't know what the code is here, but that's no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, you know, don't buy one of those drop shipping courses from some dude in a Lambo with ripped jeans and a fedora. Yeah. And I'm pro ripped jeans and fedoras and whatever kind of fancy car you want to have. I'm not anti any of that stuff. But I'm just saying there's a cliche style of person selling business opportunity drop shipping course. And that tends to be in that vein. And, you know, those are kind of like the premier uh, biz op offers at the moment. There have been different ones over time. but That's kind of like the predominant one of of the time. Sure. You've seen them (laughs) all over YouTube.
1: Yep. 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 I mean, I've I've been seeing him since I was 19, but um, it was, so it was on one of these uh, webinars that Ezra does from time to time, kind of giving out uh, information um, because I get Ezra's emails to multiple of my emails. So I get like duplicates and all this stuff. Thanks, man. (laughs) And uh, so I was on this webinar. It was you and Molly and John Grimshaw a while back uh, when you guys are doing your, uh, during the COVID, your like Shopify coaching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you had mentioned doing martial arts growing up and I was like, I really should talk to Ezra. Cause I, you know, I'm trying to find this weird niche intersection of people that kind of do sports, but also really excel at something else. Yeah. So I was like, that's why I decided to reach out to Molly and see if I could get in touch with you since I haven't, we have never met in person. Um, so tell me about martial arts, martial arts growing up. I think you mentioned your brother did it or still does it.
0: Yeah. How's I, that all I, developed? Um, when I was four years old, I got stuck. I grew up in Hawaii, and Hawaii has a strong Japanese influence. And my grandfather was a black belt in judo. So they stuck us in judo uh, when, when I was four. Mm-hmm. And I basically did judo competitively until the time I was about 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to move to California in about middle school and train with the coach that coached the U.S. Olympics in judo. Mm-hmm. So I had a chance to have a childhood background in a martial art you know three four days a week competing my whole childhood and then right around that age of where you're really kind of open to the ability to you you really have like this ability to learn in those you know late middle early middle school to early to late high school years where you can just absorb things Mm -hmm. to train at a very very high level in a competitive martial art and i did all kinds of stuff. I played basketball and I was on the wrestling team and I, you know, I did all kinds of sports, but judo was and jujitsu and all kinds of stuff, boxing. But judo was really my love and what I was the best at of everything I I did, and mm-hmm. um, it was great. It was really a wonderful, uh, you know, thing to have. And I feel like there's been several things in my life, judo being one of them, poker being another, some other for, um art forms where I've learned the skill set of mastery, where I've truly mastered that path. I mean, look, you never master something really, right? There's just keeps getting deeper. But if you look at like where the average person who has engaged with the art form and then where, you know, somebody who has devoted a lifetime to it, you know, 20 years of study and Mm -hmm. really deep study, that skill set of mastery is the skill set that I think you need to acquire as a human being, which is the willingness to put your attention in one area consistently over time, even when you come up against roadblocks, even when it's, when it's not easy. Um, and that skill set of mastery I think has served me in every area of my life, my relationship, my business, like this willingness to show up and keep at it and keep a positive attitude mm-hmm. and document what I learned and use that as, you know, to inform the learning process going forward and like mm-hmm. that study that you learn in athletics, I think is, uh, it's been hugely beneficial to me, you know, yeah. uh, and I wish every kid had that, had the privilege of having that experience.
1: You know, and I I, I think I knew this, I think I heard you mention uh, playing poker previously, but i would forgotten about it. So it seems like when you were playing, you, you, did you play live professionally for a while?
0: Yeah, yeah, I played on the underground scene yeah. in New York City. Yeah. Um, in did a you professional notice, capacity. did you
1: notice like, any kind of correlation with martial arts and poker? It seems like there, I feel like there's some kind of connection there.
0: Well, I mean, there's this um, necessity to relax in intensity Mm -hmm. in order to be
1: good at athletics,
0: in my opinion. Like if you seize up, you're gonna be, you're screwed. You have to be able to stay calm in the chaos and be able to, you know, be deliberate and respond to your instinct and you need that in poker too you know when you're in the middle of a super intense poker's a little better because you have time that mm-hmm. so you got a couple minutes before you like you can read what's going on but you there's no pressure to re- like in athletics there's there's no time you have right. to be fully present and you must respond now you know poker you have a little bit of space but you still have that sort of like hey some shit is going down and I got to make a move mm-hmm. and it's got to be Informed by what's happening, and I need to trust my read in this situation. Uh, you start second guessing your read, and that's the end of it, man.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, think about think about sparring, and it's i i i i have a hard time saying it's entirely muscle memory, and I guess it is in a sense, but it almost seems like you know you're talking about uh, relaxing in that high pressure situation. It's almost like when you you kind of reach a point where you're thinking, but you no longer have an internal dialogue. You're simply motion. You know what I mean? Like in the middle of a, in the middle of a bout, it's like you're making conscious decisions to, you know, step this way. I did karate, so I was more stand up than judo, but, um, you know, you're making a decision. I'm going to move this way or move that way, or I need to, you know, shoot through this particular gap or whatever it is. And it's not like you're not Ezra inside your head saying, okay, Ezra do this. It's just, it just is what you're doing.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I, I, have a Taekwondo background as well, so I've done some inboxing, boxing, right? So I've done mm-hmm. sparring with strikes and, uh, yeah, it's intense.
1: <laughs> so you're saying you, you did it till 18. What, what was the shift?
0: Uh, well, you know, I got interested in women and money and, uh, I had just, I was kind of burned out. I'd done it. You know, I, I mean, I competed internationally. I, I just, it was like my whole world for so long that I was just, I was, I was done, man. And, uh, and I wasn't you know, you don't make any money doing judo and I I wasn't good enough to make the Olympic team. Mm -hmm. Um, so what was I going to do? You know, it's like I could keep going and just be a judo guy, but. That didn't look like the most fun path. And so I quit judo and I moved to New York um, to play poker for a living. And then, you know, that was now 16 years ago. And then the rest of my life has unfolded. And in the last eight years or so, I've gotten back into jujitsu and, you know, martial arts and stuff, but, but not at the kind of like, my brother teaches the kids class in the town over here, mm-hmm. um, but not at the level that I was at. You know, you, I'll never I don't know that I'll ever be back to that level of I mean, who has the time to right. train like that?
1: Right. Um
0: but uh but yeah, I mean it was it was great. And then and then it was time to move on to move on from a life that was dedicated to athletics and have a life where I figured out how to how to make money and how to support myself and <laughs> you know, how to be a responsible adult.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and thinking about time, this is something I, I think especially with you, because, you know, since I exist in this kind of e-commerce space, it seems like you're everywhere um, in a good way. But just, you know, you're all over the place. You, you know, several businesses, I, I think I heard you talking the other day. Um, I don't know if it was your the, uh, chat with Molly in an ad I'd seen or what it was about, you know, you'd sold several businesses before the businesses you're doing now. Um, and so the question really prescient for all of us, athlete or not is, I mean, how do you get so much time to do anything given that you're doing so many things?
0: I mean, I think it's an illusion because you have to consider that I have been full time working on my production cycles, my businesses since I was 20 Mm -hmm. and I'm 33. So I'm 13 years deep. And I've only I only ever do one thing at a time. But what I've focused on from the what I've understood from the very beginning is that I don't want to be I don't want to be the bottleneck or the thing limiting the growth or possibility. And so I've focused on delegation and systems. Mm-hmm. And like you know, a solopreneur can grow a business to just about a million bucks, kind of doing it all yourself, doing the customer support, doing the supply chain, doing the advertising, doing everything. That's like the high end. You get like three or four people, you can have a business with three or four people and some contractors, you know, a contracted designer, a contracted developer, a contracted customer support person. You can grow a business to a couple million dollars. If you want to, I'm playing this game because I enjoy it. I, I enjoy making good products that serve the world, but I'm also trying to make money. And given that the goal is wealth creation, and I am a person who studies and analyzes people who came before me and reads books and like looks at what am I trying to achieve? And then what are the models out there that exist? One of the things I came across early was like, hey, if, if the goal is wealth creation and the goal is to generate as much wealth as possible in a pleasurable way and then use that wealth and that resource towards causes that I find noble, I'm gonna set up my infrastructure from the beginning to be able to be big. And so mm-hmm. I have close to 100 employees at this point. So it looks like I'm doing a lot because I've got a lot of people's time and energy in the direction of my production cycles, right. So, you know, it's incredible how much, how much one person besides yourself can do in an eight-hour workday, right? Mm. Now multiply that by eighty-five, and that's why you see me everywhere. I might right. do one video, but you know, you're gonna see it all over, you know. Um, and I, I, I would recommend not sort of comparing whatever your cycle is to where I'm at because I'm thirteen years deep and I have right. now three businesses that are operating at scale, but I only ever started the second and third one after the first one was up and going, right? I think it takes like two to three years to really get something moving, really get it like two to three years of consistent, solid, full-time 40-hour work week attention in the direction of a business before you can step out of the role of CEO run mm-hmm. everything and kind of move on to create something new and still have that thing work. Um, and if you look at Smart Marketer, right, I don't, I now only have two businesses I'm responsible for Boom and right. Zipify. Smart Marketer, I have a CEO, Molly. She's really running the day to day. I am still holding container and frame and I'm on calls and I'm like doing stuff, but not anywhere near as much as what I was doing before she was around, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not teaching the courses, writing the courses. I'm doing some blog posts here and there. I'm showing up to the team calls and giving direction and feedback, that kind of thing, you know? Um, so it, it's an illusion. It looks like I'm doing more than I am because I have so many people supporting my action. Mm-hmm. So
1: thinking about, I mean,
0: it's like I'm the quarterback of the football team. Right. Right. right? The fo- he's got 26 guys, but he gets all the, the credit.
1: Well, right. Right. I mean, I obviously can take that all to heart, but thinking about probably the, the person listening to us, um, they may not have a business. Is there a way, do you still incorporate those kind of ideas about system building into your personal life.
0: Yeah. I mean, do you want to talk about it in terms of athletics? Do you want to talk about it in terms of personal life? I could t- I could talk could about it. could be either. So I find that like structure and routine sets you free. Like, you know, let's say you have water. Well, if you don't have a tube, you can't direct the water anywhere, right? Like, like container allows direction and flow. And so I set up structures for myself that then allow me to, achieve the results that I want in life. So I have a structure for my life. I get up at 7 a.m. I make myself a green tea. I mess around on the internet and have some fun and look at what's going on in the world and check my email, just kind of do nothing for 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Then I work out from 8 to 9.30. Then I shower and spend an hour and a half or so making breakfast with my wife, talking to her about her day, what we're going to do, how she's feeling. I spend some time with her. Then I put in a, 11 to two work session. That's like three hours. I break at two, I have lunch, two to three. I put in another session, three to five or six. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the evening is hanging out with my wife or having some social life or doing some hobby. Like I'm have a, I'm working like six hours a day, but those, those six hours are deliberate and specific. I'm making time for myself and my movement and my body and my own silence. I'm making time for my relationship, like what I care about, how I, building my own surplus so I have surplus to give of energy, taking care of my body, eating well, sleeping well, feeling good, having time for myself and my thoughts. Moving the, the needle in my businesses such that I can honor the commitments I have to my team and my employees and, and generate resource to take care of my family and my community and causes in the world that I find noble and keep the ball moving there my relationship with my wife, investing in that on a daily basis, showing up to that to have fun and do what I can to have us have more intimacy and connection. And then, you know, projects in our our personal life, like socializing or like our land that we're developing or, you know what I mean? Like I, am, I have structure around and container so that my attention goes to the places that I want it deliberately. And it doesn't mean you don't fall out of that. I mean, routine is not the goal. Routine is a tool that leads Mm -hmm. you towards the goal and you're going to fall out of your routines, but the key is to get back into them. So, so yeah, man, I use routine as a tool in every area of my life and it's very effective.
1: Is that basically, you know, I think sometimes I have trouble with um, working too late. Is that routine basically a way to say, Hey, like I'm done for the day. Like I'll get to it tomorrow.
0: Yeah. you, You just don't like, what happens is, and it's very hard when you're a um a digital worker because the work is always available. Mm-hmm. And you might think, oh, I got nothing better to do. I'd be watching Netflix or what you know, like I could just keep going. Right. But what happens is and and there are times for that. And I understand that, and I have been there. And there's some times where you gotta grind. But if that becomes the backdrop of your life, you shoot yourself in the foot because you begin to like basically every study shows that after an eight hour workday, your production, your, your, what you're like, your output just, just tanks, man. It's just, I mean, it just falls off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And so you're not getting You think you're getting shit done, but you're really not. You're just fucking off in the work hours that you had earlier. Right. So when you really set that container, you end up being forced to do the things that you need to do in the time that you have. And you end up ignoring your body, ignoring your social life, ignoring your relationships, ignoring your hobbies, not having any space from the production cycle. So then the production cycle becomes your whole world and you're not objective from it. And all the best ideas I have are when I'm not working. It's like, you have to create, you have to, you have to, you have to be vigilant about creating that separation because mm-hmm. it is actually in the best interest of your mental health and your business success. And Which it's is, hard to do, it's a yeah. constant battle.
1: Well, it's really counterintuitive to – not counterintuitive, but, but kind of the counterpoint to all the stuff you see about hustle, 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 go, go, go all the time and, and knowing that that's simply not sustainable. you're an
0: athlete, think about what happens to your body when you do that. Sure,
1: sure. On, right. And that's why, like, as an athlete, like, I've stepped back. You know, I, there was a time when I was trying to be a professional. I was working out 20 hours a week. And it just became to the point where it wasn't sustainable anymore. Yeah. So, I had to step back to be able to do more stuff. So, I'm definitely with you there. Um, that does make me wonder though, um, I mean, you're familiar with Steve, Steve Chu, um, and that kind of group of people. I can't remember if it was Steve or Tony or who was talking about the, the four burner theory. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you have four burners, health work, family, friends, and you've got, if you want to be really good at one, you're going to have to turn at least one off and only do three and sometimes turn two off.
0: I think that is such bullshit. Yeah. Who said that? Because they are, you know. Okay, sure. Go uh, go down that road and see how that does for you. <laughs> <And> <laughs> right. So it's just like, uh, look, the goal is not success at all costs. That is like, what is the goal? Okay, you have to. Okay, do you want to have the biggest business you can possibly have at all expenses? If that's mm. the case. Okay, fine. Go fucking Elon Musk and just be a crazy person and don't sleep and only focus on your business. And I mean, look at Toby from Shopify. That guy's a multi-billionaire with the biggest tech company Canada's ever produced, and he only works a 40-hour work week. So Mm -hmm. it can be done. Um, And I don't want the biggest company at all costs. I want a happy and healthy body. I want a happy and healthy relationship. I want a happy and healthy family life. I want a happy and healthy and fulfilled social life. I want hobbies and I want a successful business. I want all of that. And I want to have fun and make good stuff and be profitable. And I don't care how good, how big it gets. It's like not about how much money, like it's a misguided approach to say, how much money can I make? Mm -hmm. The right approach in my opinion is how much fun can I have? How good of products can I make? Can I have a profitable business while also, you know, taking care of all the other stuff in my life that needs to be taken care of?
1: fair enough. Ezra, since I I know you are very uh, busy, we're a little bit shorter episode today. Um, So I'm going to jump to, this is the question I'm asking everybody this year, because it kind of is cross-sectional and everybody kind of has a different answer. So I'm asking everybody, what do you think the purpose of sport is?
0: Uh, The purpose of sport, I mean, enjoyment? Succinct answer. (laughs) I didn't ask there more. That's what I think.
1: (laughs) No, that's good. That's good. Um, Ezra, obviously we talked about Smart Marketer. If people want to kind of see what you're up to, if they want to get into e-commerce, any of that kind of stuff, kind of figure out what's happening with you, uh, where can they find you?
0: Uh, You can go to smartmarketer.com or you can go to instagram.com. Uh, forward slash Ezra Firestone or at Ezra Firestone on Instagram.
1: Sounds good. Thanks for spending some time today with me, Ezra.
0: Yeah, man. Super fun. Thanks for having me on and uh, look forward to coming back sometime.
1: Good deal. Smart Athlete Podcast.